Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not the end. Why? Because he is risen. Yes. Come on. It's so good to see all of you. What a great day to be at church. We are all about presenting hope this morning. And I just, man, I'm so grateful for all that Jesus has done. And I just want you to know that I am believing and expecting that this service that's going to be even greater than the first That God has got something great for each and every single one of you. You know, it's amazing when you look at the story of Scripture with Jesus coming back to life. We have to remember as you unfold the story in the Bible that as you read through it, these people are interacting with God and they're thinking, Jesus, are we sure that you're coming In fact, they actually thought he wasn't coming back to life. Did you know that? The disciples, we're going to read this in a moment, they were actually thinking, what next? And I want you to turn your Bibles, if you have them, um, go to Luke chapter 24. And it's just such a powerful reminder that all of us will find ourselves in places and different things in life where we're not sure how it's going to end. We're not sure if it's all going to work out, but this story that I'm going to remind you of today is that Jesus is King. He is Lord, and He did come back to life, and He is alive today. And so today I want to start with this story in Luke 24, 1 through 12. I'm reading the NIV. It says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He has risen. We'll warm up. We'll warm up. Don't worry. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was, alive, while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words when they came back from the tomb. They told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened, what had happened. At this point in the story, they're not sure if he's risen. Peter's looking, the ladies are giving testimony, but they're at a point in the story where they're not sure what's going to happen. And I want to just ask you to think about in your own life and your own story, has there ever been a moment where you're not sure how things are going to end out. 
Has there been a time in your life where you're not sure what's going to happen? Have you ever felt like you were hopeless without hope? Today, I want to encourage you that because of Jesus, you can have true hope. And so I want to pray for you because the Bible says that we need eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to respond. The greatest message in the world needs the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the one that will reveal all truth. Uh, no matter how good my message is, without the work and the power of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't work. It's all about him. So we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, open our hearts, and open our ears to hear from him exactly what you need to hear. Sound good? So would you lift your hands like this with me? I'm just going to pray for you. Father, I pray for every person that's here, whether online or in the house, that you would open our eyes and ears and our hearts to receive this word for every single one of us. For those that are without hope today, I pray that they would receive new hope in you today, Jesus. Thank you that you are alive and you're working in our hearts. Now, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Touch our hearts. Make this word come alive so that we can encounter you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. The title of the message this morning is looking for hope in the right place. Looking for hope in the right place. Have you ever, for those that are driving, ever lost your car keys? Just a show of hands. Now don't elbow your neighbor. This is not a time to fight with your spouse. The truth is, all of us who drive have been in different times where you need your car keys and you just can't find them. And if you're like me, there's something that happens to you when you lose your car keys. It's like all of a sudden you lose kind of like who you are and you start getting upset. You start blaming people. You start blaming your dogs, your cats, your hamsters, your gerbils. Anything that you can think of, you're just going to blame it. What did you do with my keys? Now, again, don't nudge your spouse. And, and we just get in this panic. And for some reason, if you're like me, when I lose my keys, it's usually when I have to be somewhere. And I'm in a hurry and I can't find them. And there was this one time I was, I was late. I needed to be here. And I was searching all over the house. I was looking over clothes, laundry baskets. I was grabbing things, grabbing our dogs, throwing them out of the way. And I'm down. And, and you know what's also funny about when you lose your keys? You look in places that you've never been. <laughs> right? Like, why am I at my neighbor's house? Hey, neighbor, have you seen my keys? I don't know. I'm just looking for my keys. And you just do the most weird things. And I remember I was, I think I was even sweating at this point. I was just in such a panic because I had to be there. And I'm looking all over. And I'm like, man, where are these keys? And I went like this. And they were there the whole time. Okay, anybody ever had that happen to them? They were in my pocket the whole time. I wonder if God feels like that. People are searching for hope in all the wrong places. And yet the Bible is declaring for over 2,000 years that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. That he is the hope that you've been searching for. He is the one that your heart has been longing for. You see, this world, if you actually, I've looked at some polls and different things in, our, in the story, especially in America, there's a lack of hope. There's people that feel hopeless. They're worried about our economy. They're worried about housing. 
They're worried about their families. Mental health has never been more of an issue than it is today. People are scared. They're afraid. And what ends up happening is they start looking for hope in all the wrong places. In fact, the angel says the same thing. The angel says the same thing to those ladies. What does he say? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? We have a culture that's looking for the living among the dead. We have people all over this world. You see it on the internet. You see it on the streets. You see it everywhere. They are searching for hope and joy, and they find it in temporary things, but it leaves them empty at the end. And I'm here today to tell you that if you don't have Jesus, you don't have a hope that lasts. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have an anchor for your soul. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when the storms of life come, and if they haven't come already, they will, you don't have an anchor that will hold and sustain you. You see, people are looking for hope in all the wrong places. Some people look for it in their jobs. Some people look for it in their relationships. If only I would just get the right app with the right person and we would connect and best friends forever. And then at that point, everything would be good. And I think one of the most dangerous places people find hope in is actually themselves. If I could just figure it out. How many how-to videos do you see on YouTube? People are all about DIY, do-it-yourself. Everything is about you can figure it out yourself, yourself, yourself. And I want to ask the question to all of us, how is that working? Doing it yourself, that's the whole point of Easter. Jesus came and died for you and for me because you couldn't do it on your, by yourself. And I'm here to remind you with the love and the grace that there is hope for you this morning. And not just a hope that disappoints, but a true hope. And the big idea is, if you're taking notes this morning, is simply this. True hope is found only in Jesus. True hope is found only in Jesus. And you might be thinking like, man, is that really true? Absolutely. I'm going to talk to you about how Jesus offers hope like nothing other. You see, the resurrection, it is a game changer that changed everything. Our entire calendar system is based upon the death of Jesus Christ. B.C., A.D., we, 2000, over 2,000 years ago, all of it started with Jesus, and he is still working today. He is still at work today in your life and in my life. So how, how does he change everything? The first thing I want you to see is this. How does he change everything? Number one is he is who he claimed to be. He is who he claimed to be. Because his story, you can't just be a good teacher and say you're the son of God. You can't just be a good teacher and make the claims that Jesus made about himself. Either you are who you say you are or you're a madman. He is who he claimed to be. And he rose from the dead. He did exactly what he said he would do. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3-8, this is the Apostle Paul. He says this, For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 believers at the same time, 
most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And I love how Paul says this. And last of all, he appeared to me also. Jesus did what he said he would do. When we're reading scripture, what we have to understand is these are eyewitness accounts of people who saw Jesus, they touched his nails, the scars on his hand, they watched him, they heard him say, I came back, I'm alive. And one of the greatest ways that we can see that this is true is just by looking at the life of the disciples. You see, when Jesus died and he was in the tomb and he went down to death hell and the grave and he conquered all those things, you know what the disciples were doing? I know it kind of sounds funny, but they were in a panic. They were completely undone. Even a little girl just asked Peter one question, did you know Jesus? And he shuddered. He's freaked out. He's scared. And he's inside of a house with all the other disciples. And they're in a panic. They're locking the doors and they think they've lost. Have you ever thought you lost? I remember one time in basketball, we had lost the game. Completely done. Our team was over. And out of nowhere, we hit back-to-back threes, got fouled, free throw, and we won the game by one. And the other team is going like this. How was that possible? This is the greatest comeback in history. Everyone thought they had lost. So the disciples are down They're scared. They're not sure how it's going to go. They just know the man they've been following for three years that's done miracles, that's made these promises, he's dead. It's over. The revolution is done. But then Jesus entrusts the gospel to some ladies. Come on, ladies. I am convinced that God knew he had to speak to ladies because men would have forgot the message. So we entrust the most important message of all to the ladies and they come back and they're like, hey, he's alive and they still don't believe. But Peter goes back in the tomb and he looks in and it's empty and he's like, what is happening? And then for the next 40 days, Jesus appears to person after person after person. He's alive. He did exactly what he said he would do. And it revolutionized the disciples because they went from being afraid to all of a sudden they are radically bold for Christ. They're not even afraid of death. The Pharisees and the religious leaders like stop talking about God and like, sorry, I can't. He's alive. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of you. You got a sword? Okay, just get me to Jesus even sooner. Suddenly, death has no hold over them. When you meet Jesus, fear is gone. Death is not the end. He did exactly what he said he would do. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you don't have to be afraid. Come on. Jesus is who we claim to be. True hope is found only in Jesus. How? Second thing, I love this. This is why true hope is found only in Jesus. Nothing is impossible for Jesus, even resurrection. Come on, somebody say thank you, Jesus. 
In John 11, 25 through 26, it says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Come on, we should be excited about that. Do you realize when Jesus made that statement? It was in a, a couple chapters before. Jesus had found out a friend of his named Lazarus was sick and he was supposed to rush. They wanted him to come and heal him. But Jesus stays away and he dies. And he's dead for four days. He shows up and was like, oh, Jesus, if only you were here. You could, I've seen you heal the sick. I've seen you do all these things. And their hope is gone. But Jesus just says, no, hope's not gone. He's just asleep. And they're like, uh, Jesus, it's been four days. He's been in that tomb for four days. And he walks up to the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, at this, the disciples are really afraid. And here's what they say. If you read the Bible, it gets pretty afraid. They say, and this is King James Version, by the way. But Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just think about the, 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 the humor in this story. They're more worried about his smell than they see a mummy coming at them. He's wrapped up. He's dead four days. He's gone. And he comes back. And here's what he's saying. I can do anything. I can raise Lazarus from the dead. And not only do I have the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, I'm going to raise myself from the dead. Do you have a problem you think God's not big enough to solve? What is it in your life? And here's how you know you think that. Because you don't necessarily say, I don't think God has a problem to solve. It's this, it's this. You've had a prayer request that you've either written or prayed about for such a long time that you stop asking. It's at that point, many of us run out of hope. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus is with you. He is your true hope. And even if you feel like all hope is gone, he's not done with you and he's not done with me and God can do the impossible. That's who our God is. And I wanna present hope to you today because, and this is the second thing that we need to know, he or the third thing, sorry, he has the power to redeem your story. He has the power to redeem your story. What we have to remember, the disciples like I said before, they're down. They're thinking it's lost, it's over. Peter, he denied Jesus three times. And so you know what he ends up doing? He goes back to what he used to do, fish. When Jesus found him and his other disciples and he calls them, you know what he said? You will no longer be a fisher of fish. You're gonna now fish for men. And so they go back to what their old jobs were and they're fishing. Whenever we struggle or we fall or we make a mistake, you know what our natural tendency is to do? Go back to what we're comfortable. That's why addictions are addictions. Because our hearts, the pain, the struggle that we're in, we go back to the coping mechanism. Even though we know it's not healthy, even though we want to stop, even though we're trying, no, no, I don't want that in my life. We go back to what's familiar. And what I want to encourage you with today, if you will go to Jesus, 
you can trust him that he has the power to heal you, to redeem you, and to save you. So Peter and, the, and these other disciples, they're fishing. And Jesus is on the shore, but they don't recognize him. And Jesus yells out, hey, you got any fish? And by the way, anybody here a fisherman? If you see another boat and they yell out, you got any fish? The worst answer you could say is no. I haven't caught anything. I mean, the truth is, as a fisherman, you know what you usually say? Oh, yeah, I got tons of fish. What kind of fish did you catch? You know, the brown ones. What kind of lures are you using? You know, power bait. Well, they're using nets in this story. Oh, sorry, nets. Yes, we're using nets. They're using all these different things. They're not catching any fish. And Jesus says, just throw your net to the other side. Oftentimes, God will ask you to do something that doesn't seem to make any sense. But when you obey, the miracle's on the other side. So they throw the net on the other side. And boom, instantly, all these fish go in. And the disciples that are with Peter are excited. They're like, yeah! And you know what Peter does? It's Jesus! He takes his coat off and he jumps in the water and he's running after Jesus. You know why? Because all the things that he hoped for are right in front of him. The true source. The fish were supposed to be the money that they needed, but he recognized Jesus is there. And when you know Jesus is in front of you, you realize he's your provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's your healer. He's your redeemer. He's the one that could take your broken story and put it back together. And he makes all things new. So Peter throws off his coat and he goes swimming. And you know what the other disciples are doing? Peter, we've got a lot of fish, man. Help us out. But they, he's gone. So they struggle, they load everything in, and they finally get to shore. And this is what I love about the resurrection and the body of Jesus Christ, is that Jesus brings the disciples to shore, and they eat. Anybody else love food? Aren't you thankful in heaven we're going to be eating together? Okay, I maybe am a little more excited than the rest of you, but I am pretty excited. There will be food. On John, John 21, this is the story that happens. They're on the shore. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter's hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said finally, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. For Peter, I'm imagining him sitting there and Jesus is saying this to him and he's just weeping. Because when Peter denies Jesus, when Peter rejects his Savior, he's thinking his story's over. He's messed up one too many times. There's no way, and so many of us live this lie, there's no way God could use me. I've fallen again. 
I've denied Jesus. I've made that mistake one too many times. The hope that Jesus offers is this, no matter how far you're gone, no matter how broken you are, if you can hear the sound of my voice, there's hope for you. True hope is found only in Jesus. And so what is Jesus doing to Peter right here? He's reinstating him. He's saying, you were fishing for fish again. No, 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 no. Feed my lambs. Feed the sheep. What is he saying? No, no, no. You're going to now reach people. You're going to reach kids. You're going to reach people. You're going to preach the gospel. And one of the things that we forget, just a few chapters later in Acts, the Holy Spirit comes and shakes everything. They speak in tongues. And who's the first person to stand up and say, no, 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 they're not drunk. Of course, it's 10 in the morning. If you come back at 5, we can be drunk. But not at 10. And he preaches a sermon. Who did that? Peter, the same guy who denied Jesus three times, shows back up. And some of you here today, maybe you've made some major mistakes in your life. Things that you can't defend, but you're showing back up. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus sees you. He loves you. There's no addiction too great, no brokenness too too large, no deficit he can't redeem. Our God is the true hope. And if you're here today and you're listening to this, whether you're online, thank you for joining us, or in this house, I am here to tell you I believe that you are not here by accident. You are here on purpose for a purpose. And God, I can see in some of your eyes, God's redeeming some stories right now. Because you thought your story was over, but he's saying, I'm giving you a second chance. You're like, well, I need 30 chance. That's like my 15th. I don't know. I lost count how many times I've denied and I made mistakes. He still came for you. He still loves you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment? Whether you're online, by the way, last week online, we had some people get saved online. Isn't that awesome? But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today's your day. You are not here by accident. If you believe the lie and you're struggling with who Jesus is, he is the true hope that you have been looking for. He is the one your heart has been looking for. If you're here this morning and you want to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, there's no greater Sunday than Easter Sunday. Would you raise your hand? I'm, just going to, I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. If you want to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, lift up your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody? Yes, I see that hand. That's awesome. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that hand. That's amazing. Yeah, I see that hand. That's so good. Yep, another hand. Thank you. Just want to give it, oh yes, I see that hand, that's awesome. Another hand, another hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is not too late. Maybe there's more that want to raise their hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, there's a lot of that raise their hand. I believe in more online. The whole church, would you repeat this prayer with me? Say, Jesus, Jesus. forgive me of my sins. Wash me and make me clean. I put my trust in you. All my hope is in you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise for all the ones that raise their hand. So good. Jesus redeems us. There's nothing impossible for our God. And you may be here listening to me whether at home or online, at home online or right here. 
and you've been struggling because you need a miracle in your life. And you're struggling to believe. You're struggling to believe. I had a, a teacher in high school, and I could have the worship team come up, that'd be great. I had a teacher in high school, he was our Bible teacher, and in his, he's a Christian, but in his denomination and what he believed is that when the apostles died, that so did the, the miracles, they went away as well. The only real miracle in his faith and what he believed was the resurrection that one day we'd be with Jesus. So years go on and he's been studying and him and his wife have a son, but the baby is born premature, so premature that the baby would fit in the palm of his hand. And they prayed for their God to save their son. And he died on the table. A few minutes later, they were able to resuscitate the baby, so tiny. But it had been a few minutes. And so they got the baby to live. The parents are just, they're just heartbroken, struggle like any parent. And the doctor said, just so you know, this baby might live, but because of the amount of time without oxygen and because of all that's happened to him, he will never be able to learn on his own. He'll never be able to walk on his own. He'll be a wheelchair. He'll be in a wheelchair. And for the rest of his life, you will have to take care of him for him to survive. And so these parents, young, broken, went to God. And even though, check this out, their theology didn't allow them to believe for a miracle, when you're desperate, you still pray. So they prayed. And fast forward about 18 years later, I'm at Seattle Christian High School and there's a six foot four, 225 pound man. And God healed him. I'll never forget watching this kid. He hit a baseball 455 feet over left field fence. It might have been 400, but his dad said it was 455. Monster of a man, 4.0 student. Got married, has a family, loves God. And I'll never forget being in a Bible class and this person who's up here teaching me says, I don't believe that God does miracles, but here's my son. Our God's greater. Our God's greater. There's no person in this room that God can't reach you. There's hope for you today. I believe that we serve a miracle working God. It didn't just happen back then, it's still happening today. The reason Easter is so exciting is because he is alive and he's still working. He's not done with me, he's not done with you, he's not done with your kids, your grandkids, your family. He's not done. We serve a God that can do the impossible. I wanna show you a video of someone at Portland Christian Center who just a couple months ago, God healed her. It's an amazing story. Would you turn your attention to the screens? Yes, I'm Annette, I'm from Cameroon. By the grace of God, I moved here in, the, in Portland five months ago. Wow. And uh, I immediately find a church and God led me to PCC. My first day was October 2. Starting December, 
I was feeling heaviness in my two hands, especially in the night. So uh, after that, in January, I started feeling pain and the pains gradually increased in February. At some point, my finger was stiff and I was not able to bend them without pain. Mm. So I started worrying. Every morning I was praying. When I was coming to church, I was raising my hands, pray. But that specific Sunday, that is three weeks ago, when the pastor said we should go in front if you have any problem, I took my courage and I decided to go in front mm -hmm. for prayer. I showed them my hands and I said, please pray for me because I feel pain in my hands every, every night. Yeah. He quickly went to find the anointing oil and he put in my hands and later he was joined by you and I think a couple of pastors. Mm -hmm. So I had around four people around me pray mm -hmm. and they really pray. Mm -hmm. In Africa they say they pray the prayer. <laughs> <laughs> so they earnestly pray for me. I could feel the passion of God, mm -hmm. the, the love of God. Yeah. At some point I feel the tangible presence of God around me. I went on my knee and they also went on their knees. So mm -hmm. we all we all found ourselves in our knees praying. They pray for my hands, mm -hmm. they pray for healing. And at some point, the Holy Spirit started revealing them things about me. Yeah. They revealed me, they revealed them things about my future, my calling. Mm -hmm. And you, Pastor Miel, you said, I pray for a new fire. Mm -hmm. So you pray for a new fire and I really feel as if I was baptized you yeah. know by by the holy spirit it was amazing and i went home monday night wow. i wake up i felt my hands nothing ah, no praise <laughs> the Lord. that was okay. the first day i said okay 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 let's not be excited too much <laughs> let's wait for the second day wow the second day tuesday morning i wake up again I did like this. Mm -hmm. My hands were just normal. And I praised God Thank in my bed. Lord. I said, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> wow. And it was the same thing on Wednesday, the same thing on Thursday, Praise Friday, until Sunday. I think that day we had snow. Yes. But I said, Okay, I will go to church no matter what because <laughs> I have to testify. Wow. I have to testify because when the, the, the pastor were praying for me, they said, You will come back and testify. Okay. Yes. I said, Okay this was accomplished. It was really an incredible experience wow. of how God reacts, how God is, is real yes. through his servant to pray for me and God just answered your prayer. He yeah. touched you. He's a God that still does miracles. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website, at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.